Welcome to the Discipleship Podcast with Pastor Pablo Martinez. We truly believe disciples aren't born, they are made. If your desire is to grow, renew your mind, and go to the next level in the way you live for God, this podcast is for you. Pastor Pablo will be sharing the real heart of a disciple through tough but transformational truths that are sure to confront us. These truths will lead us into establishing the kingdom of God in our lives. Now is the time. Grab your pen, a notebook, and your Bible. It's time to get formed. Why don't we give Jesus a round of applause? How about that? Yeah? It's a lot better. Awesome. Before you sit down, um, why don't you high five the person next to you? Tell them you're at the house of God. You look good today. No, you look better with a mask on. Nah, I'm just kidding. Nah, I'm playing. I'm playing. No, have a seat. Have a seat. Uh, it is so good to be with you guys. Uh, I've been really, really excited about tonight. Um, I know that uh, all of you have made an incredible effort to be here. You are brave. You're courageous. Uh, if you're following us online, uh, you're warm. Uh, but <laughs> just kidding. Now, if you guys are following us online, also, you know, thank God. Uh, I'm so, so blessed to really be able to be uh, with you guys sharing the word of God. Uh, I have a heart right now that is, is, is really, I don't know how to say it. It's kind of like when you're about to go to, uh, if you're a kid, you're going to Disneyland or Chuck E. Cheese, which by the way, closed down. Uh, but you know, if you're, if you're going, okay, I know that's, but you know, but you're really excited. Something great's about to happen. And I feel like that. There's a word, uh, by the way, Carla Larner, where's Carla? Where are you, Carlita? Woo! She'll be sharing the word on Sunday, our Thanksgiving word. So we're really, really excited to hear that. But actually had been working on the very same message around the same passages that she's going to preach about on Sunday. So I, I texted her today. I was like, hey, Carlita, so what are you preaching about on Sunday? Just, you know, just so I know. And uh, she's like, about this. And I was like, no. And I sent her a screenshot of my sermon. I was like, ah, is it this one? <laughs> so God kind of wanted, you know, that word to be preached. But be very honest with you. I've been really wanting to share something else for a long time. But it is a little bit too formational. I don't know if, if you guys know where I'm going. So uh, we call this Formation Fridays. That means that this is not like for soft-skinned people, meaning it's not like for the easily offended. Formation Fridays is to form you, meaning the, the world usually gets most deformed on Friday nights. Is that true or not? Some of the worst mistakes young people and old people, don't matter, people, people ever make happen, at least in the U.S., on Friday nights. Actually, some begin on Thursday nights, to be very honest with you, right? Yes or no? No? You guys don't know what I'm talking about? Okay, the kids may not know, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Some of the worst mistakes that happen is Friday nights. A lot of people told us when we began the church, even back in Nugent, told us never do services on Friday night because young people will never go. Because people will never go on Friday. They just have too many things going on. And we decided to do it Friday night precisely because we know that God is simply better. Is that right? God is better than anything you can do on Friday nights. I mean, anything, anything you can do on Friday nights. And so... I've been saving this word because it is usually reserved. I've shared a little piece of it with my 12, with the primary team, with those that are already mature and have been walking with God for a long time. But I felt like today was the day that God wanted to pour this on you guys. And some of you might have brought a new friend or somebody new. You're like, no, pastor, not tonight. I brought somebody new. And I think that new person is precisely needing to hear this word. I think people are tired of hearing the same old thing from preachers and pastors without the truth, because the truth will set you free. Sometimes what we hear may not be good to our ears, but it's the best thing for our hearts. We may not like what we hear, but it will make us more like Jesus. 
Does that make sense? Yes? So the goal of tonight is not that you would like the message, but that you become more like the messenger, which is Jesus Christ. Is that good or no? Yeah? So I want to begin just by prayer and asking the Holy Spirit to open up your heart, open up your mind, and that tonight you would receive something fresh, something new. Close your eyes. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much because you planned this tonight. God, we know for sure that what's happening around our country, around the world really, in California, in LA County, all the, all the things that are happening from the pandemic to the, to the craziness in the government, God, through all the different, you know, uh, tension that there's going on in, in, our, in, our, in our nation, Lord. We are not victims of any of these things. God, we are victors. We are victorious because you are with us and you're in us. Lord God, I pray right now that anyone who's going through anything, whether it's in their family, in their finances, in their faith, God, in their spiritual walk with you, God, in, 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 in anything that's happening in them, Lord, maybe it's in the intimate part of their hearts, in, in the secret. I pray, God, right now that you give them an answer, that they would, they would listen and that something would spark in them, God, that they would be able to step out of this moment. In your name we pray. Amen. So uh, there's this, this story of this little kid. And he's walking with his dad, you know, they're going for a walk. By the way, I went to, you know, walk with my son today. And that's really what prompted this story. Uh, we just went on a walk. And uh, at first I was walking, he was on my shoulders, but he's seven years old. So he was like smashing me all the way down the street. And, uh, and I was just walking with him. And I remember this story and it was so clear, so beautiful to me because the last time I told this story, I didn't have a son. And so this man was walking with this little kid and his, he all of a sudden asks his son, Hey boy, hey buddy, uh, his name is Billy. Hey Billy. Do you know where we are? Little boy looks at him and says, nope. He said, okay, well, do you know where we're going? And he says, nope. Would you know how to walk back home? And little Billy says, nope. And the dad tells him, well, Billy, it seems to me like you're lost. And Billy answered something so beautiful, so profound. He said, no, dad, I'm with you. Think about that for just a second. No, dad, I'm with you. The word of God says, in Isaiah 53, 6, all of us like sheep have gone astray, meaning we've gotten lost. Each of us have turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity, meaning the sin and perpetual sin of us to fall on him. Capital H. Who is him? Jesus. Let me repeat it again so we will grab it. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us have turned our own way. But the Lord has caused our sin to fall on him. That is Jesus Christ. All of us have gone astray. If you think you're not lost without Jesus, I'm sorry, you're the most lost. I, I've heard of people say, you know, honestly that, oh, well, yeah, he can't be lost. He's an amazing person. He's just amazingly lost. There's some people that are really intelligent. They like know a lot. Well, they're just knowingly lost. Am I making sense? There's some people that are so self-confident. Like they just have a lot of confidence. Well, they're confidently lost. I don't care who you are, where you come from, how much you have, how much you think you have. If you're not walking with your dad, that God that we know and that knows you and created you and loves you. The only way, the truth and the life that nobody goes to the father except through him. Am I making sense? Unless you're walking with Jesus, you're lost. You may be young. You're lost at your young age. You may be healthy. You're healthily lost. I know for sure. That tonight, every single one of us have to learn to walk with Jesus. And if you think you know how to walk with Jesus, I want you to listen to this sermon. Because all of us here, at some point, have gone astray. And I know for sure that some of you are spiritual giants. And this may not be your sermon. 
But just in case one day you become like one of the 12 of Jesus. You hear what I said? Every one of the 12 of Jesus at some point left him. I want to call tonight's message a Gethsemane moment. We all have a Gethsemane moment. Gethsemane is this beautiful garden where Jesus was found. Gethsemane is literally this garden where the olives would be pressed. A garden of olives. El Jardín de los Olivos, we call it in Spanish. Gethsemane, it's a place where they would great grab these olives. And it is known because it is there where they would pull the, the olive oil. In order to push olive oil, you need to press the olives. And if you squeeze those, if you press them, then the best thing comes out of them. Well, that's exactly what was happening with this beautiful, incredible Jesus that we know. He was about to be crushed. He was about to be pressed at the Garden of Gethsemane. You can say it, you could say it was the moment of most pressure. The pressure moments. All of us in here will have pressure moments. Moments where we will have to make choices. Either to obey, to follow God, or to walk away. There are four different ways that you can answer God in a Gethsemane moment. You will all have them. Some of you will have them repetitively. Some of you will have intense Gethsemane moments that you know you're going through it. But sometimes you have Gethsemane moments that you don't even realize it's that kind of thing until you realize you're reacting in one of these four ways. The first reaction that we see in Gethsemane is that of Judas. You say, Pastor, Judas wasn't even there precisely. It's that person that got this disillusioned at God. You see it all over the world. Oh, yeah, yeah, my grandma used to take me to church. Yeah, I used to go to church with my mom. Yeah, my aunt. Yeah, she's, a, she's an amen, hallelujah lady. Yeah, she used to have a Bible all the time. But you know what? They're a bunch of hypocrites. That's the person that expected something and didn't see it. And so they got disillusioned and walked away. Listen, that person's not even there in those moments. There are people in this world that are in those places, away from God, when they need to be there. I cover this first person first because I want to remind you of something. That Jesus Christ in Gethsemane, he was dying for the sins of all. Of all, including Judas. Had Judas stuck around, he would have been redeemed. There's no doubt in my mind, had Judas stuck around, he would have been redeemed. Had he not hung himself, had he not ended his life, had he not said, it's over, it's done, there's no hope for me. He would have been redeemed. You know how I know that? Because he denied him once, yet Peter denied him three times. Three times. At least Judas got some money out of it. Peter got nothing out of it. Am I making sense? Three times and Peter was redeemed. Not only was Peter redeemed, half of Mexico's named Pedro. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Not only was Peter was redeemed, but Peter was not only redeemed, he became the first spokesman for the greatest, first, most incredible revival of the first century church. His first sermon, a man who betrayed Jesus, turned thousands of lives to Jesus without a microphone. Wherever he would go, his shadow would heal people. That's what the word of God says. A man asked him, hey, can you give me some money? And he said, I got no gold or silver, but what I do have, I give to you. Boom, the man stood up. How many of you know that if Judas would have stuck around, he would have been redeemed? But Judas didn't. Judas hung himself. He said, you know what? I'm so disillusioned. This is not what I expected. See, Judas thought that Jesus was simply for his own profit. He thought Jesus has come to set me free. Jesus has come to give me status, to give me wealth. Jesus has come to be the emperor, the new governor. And he's going to get us out of this mess. And when he saw that his plan, his plan, the Judas plan, was not Jesus' plan. That Jesus' ways were higher than his ways. He took the highway. He didn't want to follow God. And he ended in that direction. 
First reaction of Gethsemane is not even there. Second reaction of Gethsemane is the reaction of Peter. Peter, when in the Gethsemane moment came, they came to arrest Jesus. Right? And Peter, he got his sword out. Now it's a, it's a, we can say a sword or a knife. And this guy tried to cut the soldier's head off. I can just hear like, no. And the soldier went, no. And so he went for his head. He wasn't trying to cut his ear. Because he went like that. Now, the ear goes, just flying out. And Jesus grabs it. Just puts it back on. No harm, no foul. He takes, you know, a little prison time away from, from Peter. Listen, like if it never happened. Now, they had, to, they had to not punish him because if they would have punished him for a crime and then he was healed, they would have accepted the miracle of Jesus. Isn't that crazy? Just how the, how the Lord works. But the cool thing about this is, <coughs> man, Peter, sorry, Peter <coughs> responded in a way to Gethsemane that a lot of you respond. It's by fighting the wrong way. You begin to get angry or violent, or you begin to fight people instead of for people. You hear what I said? Well, you begin to fight people instead of for people. Thank you so much. No longer single, you're getting married pretty soon. Sorry, ladies. <laughs> uh. Destination wedding, we're going to Mazatlan. <laughs> Let's go. When are you getting married? April 9th. Ooh, is she here? Okay, okay, good, good. She lives like a couple hours, like an hour and a half away, huh? But she's committed as committed can be. That's a good thing. Anyway, so, um, but there's other men that are single girls. If you guys can. Anyway, so Peter, Peter fought with the wrong weapon. So the second way to respond to Gethsemane, when you're in that pressing moment, when you're being tested, when you're under pressure, right? When that moment is that uh, things get tough, like right now. I don't know if there's ever been a crazier year, at least not in my generation, 2020. Some of you guys, I mean, I can't wait for 2020 to end. Some of you guys should have said, praise the Lord. Yes, amen, right? We're like, 2020, leave. But, but, I don't think so. I think in this moment, this pressing time is showing a lot about you. It's also showing a lot about others. That they fight the wrong way, though. Some people get really angry. They get mad and start cutting people's heads off. Oh, you're not faithful. You don't really love God. How could you? How could you do this and that? You've seen it. I've experienced it. I began to feel it like that. Some of you guys might have even noticed it. Where I said, I can't, I can't keep listening to media. I have to just get with the Lord. Because I feel like I'm fighting with a sword instead of fighting with the Spirit. Come on now, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Man, I've seen it with my own like, closest people. Where they begin to get so focused on fighting people instead of fighting for people. Gethsemane moments really test the heart of someone. In your marriage... You know, Gethsemane moment, when things aren't going according to plan, where, where maybe the job didn't pan out, or you know what, maybe, just maybe, you realize, oh, she's different than me, and adjustments begin to happen. Or maybe, even worse, something really happened where a person is not faithful. And you have a Gethsemane moment, and you have to ask yourself, do I fight that person, or do I fight for my family? Or do I fight for my relationship with God? Gethsemane moments will test you. I've seen it in some of the disciples in this church. Some may still be fighting the wrong way with the wrong weapons. And I just challenge you all, because I was in that same spot to say, God, I want to fight your way. And how did Jesus fight 
I just want to ask you that because Jesus, the Bible says that if he would have wanted, he would have commanded a legion of angels to come and to completely obliterate these people. To stop the madness. At the command of Jesus, hosts of angels were expecting, waiting, swords out, ready to go defend the Son of God. And he didn't fight that way. As a matter of fact, he was up there bringing redemption to you and me. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. He didn't count their ignorance as something to shove in their face. Instead of something for him to pray for. That takes a lot of courage. Man, that takes so much guts. Husbands, you know what I'm talking about. When your pride is tested, when you're angry, when you feel like, mmm. And you're like, Father, forgive her because she doesn't know what she's doing. <laughs> Instead to say, God, help me to fight the right way. And get so many moments, I don't want to be that kind of person. That starts blaming someone, starts angry at anybody. That never blessed anyone. Ever. I've never saw marriage restored by fighting. I've seen marriages restored when they fight for each other. I've never saw a person come back to the feet of Jesus by fighting them. You know, nobody argued me into my faith. You hear that? Nobody argued me into my faith, argued me until I said, fine, I believe in God. That's not how it works. Someone showed me the love of God and I couldn't resist it. It is his kindness that brought me to repentance. I can't explain to you what weapons to use. I could only show you. Am I making sense? Let me go to the third way to react. Third way to react is from afar. The Bible says that Peter, after that, he followed Jesus from afar. And this is one of the scariest things. It says in Matthew 26, 20, 56 through 57. Matthew 26, 56 through 57. But This has all taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him and fled. Deserted him and fled. All left, but Peter followed him from afar. That is then where he's found in the inner courts and he has to deny Jesus. And Jesus sees him and the crow. Ah, no, that's not a crow. A rooster. Yeah, yeah. a rooster crows. That's why. Remember that last Sunday, two Sundays ago? Right, three times he denies Jesus, but from afar. From afar, I'm not, I don't know him. I don't know him. Listen, some of you actually believe that following God from afar is okay. Following God from afar is a farce. Following God from afar is not what God is asking for you. I remember one time I was walking, you guys are going to boo, it's okay. But I was walking with my ex-girlfriend, go ahead. All right, All right. <laughs> I was in high school, right? And so, but if you're a high school kid, don't have a girlfriend. Anyway, so, you know, I'm walking, I'm walking with this girl, right? And my friends were there. And please listen, this is really jacked up. This is before I was a disciple of Jesus, okay? I'm there and my friend Alex turns around and I let go of Heather's hand. Oh, no, you did not. Listen, come on now. Now, Heather knew exactly what I was doing. I knew what I was doing. That's what we do with Jesus, don't we? Sometimes we're walking with God. I love you, Jesus. Yeah, I believe in you. You're my Lord, my Savior. And then let go of his hand. Isn't it true or not? We're talking about God right now. We're talking about real believers, disciples of Jesus, who at some point knew that God is real. At some point knew that he died for them. At some point said, I'll give you my life. Just don't read the fine print. 
I'll give you my life, except when it gets tough. I'll follow you until it's convenient. I'll give you my Sundays, but don't take my Mondays. I'll give you my heart, but not my wallet. I'll give you my strength, just not my decisions on who I want to marry. I'll give you everything except 90%. I'll give you everything except what you actually ask me for, which is relationship. Some people follow God from afar and they wonder. What I'm about to say may sound confronting, but it's the most loving thing you'll hear tonight. You want the benefits of his death, but you don't want to die with him. You want the benefits of his death. And Jesus said, if you want to come after me, pick up your cross and follow me. Pick up your cross and follow me. Your cross is not your mother-in-law. Your cross is not your job. Your cross is not your neighbor that's annoying. Your cross is not that. Your cross is daily. Your cross is you. Your cross is your flesh. Your cross is denying time after time after time that which draws you away from God and turning to him. Pick up your cross and follow him. Do you know why sometimes you don't receive the benefits of the blood of Jesus? It's because you're not close enough to be sprinkled by it. Am I making sense? You're so far from the cross. You only want God as an ATM and you think you got the pin. But in reality, God is not looking for that. God wants to be your constant provider. God wants to be your lover, your friend. He wants to be your dad. God loves you so much. Sometimes we say, God, use me. And when God begins to use you, you're like, oh, I'm tired. Why do I have to work? Isn't it true? God, use my life. He begins to use you. I'm overwhelmed. What? Have you ever given somebody a job or worked with somebody that wants to work until the work begins? Things just got real right now, real fast. Don't be, don't be elbowing people right now, right? That's not the time to elbow people. Say, yeah, God, give me a wife. And then God gives you a wife. Lord, I want kids. It's like the mom that says, oh, I can't wait for my son to walk. Then he starts walking. Moms, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yes or no? Yeah, huh? Right? You start trying to lock them down, you know, trying to tape them up, put them in closets. Just kidding. You know what I'm talking about? Like we say, God, I'll give you my life. And God says, okay, let's do it then. I know for sure, for sure that today, some of you have been walking from afar. And you're close enough to the fire as to keep warm, but you don't want to, you don't want to get burned. You don't want that fire to consume those parts about you that hurt you and that hurt your generations. You want the fire to warm you, but you don't want the fire to purify you. You want the fire around you, but you don't want fire in you. You know why? Because that fire will change you. That fire will change you. I don't know if some of you guys know I'm a welder by trade. I, I weld. I, I like doing it. I love welding. One of the things I love about welding is this, is that it is so rapid, the fusing of two metals. And immediately they're like forever together. Oh, just kidding. It's like, ah, right? And it's this intense moment, like boom, and it just happens. And this intense, very strong things just cannot come apart anymore. And you have the power in a second to bring them together. That sounds really weird for some of you who are not passionate about welding. But there's other ways of putting things together, like with glue. 
All right, so glue, right? You put glue and you wait there and you watch it happen. How exciting is that? You're like, wow, it's drying. I think it's changing color. <gasps> Five hours go by. Now settling times come. Then you really need to let it cure. See, with welding, it's not like that. It's this intense rust, boom, and it just fuses together. Some of you guys are wondering, why is he talking about welding? Because I think God works in these two ways in our lives. Sometimes you go through things and you go through them slowly. It's this transition moment and it's happening and you know it's changing it's little by little. And you're like, God, when is it going to happen? Hurry up. I wish it was faster. It's like a pregnant woman. My wife is now four months into it. Asia, how far along are you? Seven. Woo! All right, let's do this. Let's go. Is anybody further along? No? Is there more pregnant ladies? Oh, the pregnant ladies. Oh, the no, <laughs> only two. Let's go, man. Come on. Pandemic babies, right? <laughs> well, Mike just contributed to the cause. Anybody else, right? Well, we have this understanding with babies. We know it's going to take how many months? Dudes are like, uh, <laughs> nine months. Nine months. What happens if through the process I get tired and uncomfortable? Because it is uncomfortable. I've never been, but it looks very uncomfortable. You start, you know, you know, having to buy new clothes. The other day, I was remembering, because I saw this little meme, um, you know, <laughs> I love, memes are Eonianized love language. We just, we just speak that way, right? And so I saw the, <laughs> this chunky, chunky foot, and it's like, oh, I stubbed my fat toe. The, mom, the, the wife said, which one? And they're all like chunky toes, you know? <laughs> but, <laughs> but I was remembering when my wife was like eight months pregnant, nine months pregnant, and the feet start swelling up, and I was like, oh, because I don't remember massage them, right? And so I'm like, man, that looks so uncomfortable. But what if my wife at the seventh month goes up to, or Asia goes up to the doctor and says, that's it, take him out. I don't want it no more. That's it, I'm done. What would happen? It's called a miss. It's actually called an abortion. You abort. You kill the baby. It's done, the process. I want to tell you tonight that God sometimes, Gethsemane moments sometimes last a long time. Nine months, ten months, ten years. But sometimes those Gethsemane moments, they rush and they're like welding, they're like boom and they chemically change you. They're so intense, you just like, you don't even know what hit you. But to those two moments, to those two ways of God's work in your life, you have to learn to respond. You cannot just walk out, you can't just rank out, or you can't just walk from afar. What do you do? What are you doing at so many moments? The fourth way and the best way to respond is Jesus' way. How did Jesus respond? He stuck it out. He said, it is not my will, but your will, and that I'll do. That is the only way to respond in a Gethsemane moment. Come on, give God a shout of praise. Why not? Four ways to respond. One, not even being there. Two, the wrong way by fighting the, the other way from far, from far away. And Jesus, he said, you know what, God, even if it costs me my life, I will obey cool thing about that is this, in that Gethsemane moment, in that intense moment, I call it like that, the welding moment. One day I'm going to bring my welder up here, just going to show you guys what I'm talking. It is so exciting because it happens quick, but it's so intense and so powerful. And I think God was working like that, like <laughs> this moment where God had to do something, right? And it's this intense moment and Jesus is there and he's crumbling and he's falling apart. I don't know if Georgie, you can help me with the keys. Otherwise, I'll preach till, till, till New Year's, right? So, so you have this, this moment where Jesus is right there. He's, he's, he's done. Like, he's, he's tired. He's been praying all night. And he goes and he asks his disciples, Hey, guys, can you just back me up? Can you pray for me? 
Can you pray for me? And his, his best man, you know, his, his guys, his dudes, his boys, they'd come over here and they'd, yeah, 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 we'll pray for you. The faithful ones, you know. The other ones are already napping. These guys were there and they start praying, ah, Jesus, God help them. An hour into it, this dude starts snoring. They fall asleep and Jesus goes to them and says, hey guys, what happened? I thought you were going to pray for me. I need you right now. I don't usually ask. I'm usually the giver. But right now I need you. Jesus in his Gethsemane moment knew to look for help. Because you know what? I talk to you about responding like Jesus. If you're going to be faithful, if you're going to be obedient, you're going to need help. You're going to need someone to pray for you. Some of you lone rager Christians, you're not going to make it. It doesn't work that way. If I had a dollar for every pastor that's fallen because they didn't have accountability, because they didn't have discipleship, because they didn't have somebody that would call them out and say, that's going to hurt your family. Am I making sense? I remember the day my pastor went up to one of the greatest, most huge influential evangelists. And my pastor told him, you're cheating on your wife in front of all these people. Pastor Caesar called that dude out in front of everybody. And he looked around. He was going naughty at security around him. And he said, you're cheating on your wife with ministry. You do more ministry than spend time with your family. He started calling them out in front of everybody. If I told you the name, you would be like, oh snap. It was so beautiful because my pastor knew that what this guy needed wasn't just another handshake. And oh, you're a great Christian. What he needed was somebody to confront him, somebody to hold him accountable. He then later helped him restore his daughter back into the family. If his man would have listened to my pastor, he wouldn't have gotten divorced. He wouldn't have fallen. Now, God's restoring his life. But one thing I know for sure, you and I are not too big to have accountability. We are not too grown in order for somebody to speak into our lives. Jesus asked for prayer. What makes you think you don't need prayer in your Gethsemane moments? You think getting alone is the best thing? There's a difference between loneliness and solitude. Solitude is a beautiful word where you spend time with God. You're in his presence. Loneliness is what the enemy wants for you. Divide and conquer. You've seen the National Geographic videos where the lion separates that zebra from the pack and ends up tearing it apart. The devil works the same way. He's a roaring lion, roaring lion, seeking, worrying about seeking whom he might devour. Am I making sense? Look out and seek prayer. So Jesus gets that. He three times he goes up to his guys. Hey guys, pray for me. He doesn't find it from them. Next thing that happened, and I'll finish with this. The father, he talks to the father and says, Dad, I can't, man. This is so difficult. Never in the word of God do you find Jesus in any other time saying something is hard. Could be, could there be something too difficult for God? Somebody who says, hey, can you heal me? Can I? Are you serious? You find Jesus with omni, omni, all powerful. And now he's talking to the father and saying, this is so hard, God. Dad, I can't do this. Vulnerability before God is so important. Before people and people that love you and people that love God. People of prayer. Not just anyone. Don't go posting yourself on Instagram expecting people to just give you great words of the Lord. Talk to the right person. Number two, bear your heart before God. Be honest with the Lord. Say, God, I'm tired. If you're tired, you're tired. That's okay. As a matter of fact, if you're not tired because you're not doing anything. So sometimes when you're tired, it's okay to go to God and say, God, I need you. I'm tired of him. I'm tired of her. I'm tired of this. God, I don't want to be like this anymore. I can't. Third thing, his response. He said, but let not my will be done. 
but yours. This is how you walk with the Father. This is how you stay close to Him. Not by pretending, not by assuming everything is okay, but by saying, it's not my will. At the end of the day, it's not how I want it. Because Judas, if he would have said that, he would have stuck with him. It's not the way I want it. Let yours over mine reign. Not my will, but yours. What a powerful life you and I would live. Think about it for a second. Think about it. If in everything you did, the Lord's will reigned supreme. Come on now, think about it for just a second. Moms, how would you raise your children? Man, how would you raise your children if not your will, but God's will? Some parents just want to be their kid's best friend. Like if they had really low self-esteem and they end up not correcting them and things they need to correct them. And what a son needs, yes, they need a friend, but they also need direction, character formation. They need guidance. They need examples of strength. Instead, we have moms and dads trying not to lose them because somebody else let them down. You need to show them something a little bit different. And I speak as a son and I speak as a father. Why am I telling you this? Because if you'd have done it God's way, according to His will, you'd have been there in certain places doing certain things. You know, can I tell you very honestly, sometimes at night, I'm too tired. I'm just tired sometimes. And there is, there's my room, my, my son's room. He's got his PJs on, both of them. And every single night, my son is like, so devotional? Now listen, why is my son asking me? By the way, every night, I do my devotional with my son. My wife and I, we are committed to their formation. Why am I doing So you think, oh man, my dad doesn't do it. Or so you think, oh, the pastor's so great. It's not that. I'm telling you right here, right now. If it was up to my will, I'd go to bed. I'd turn on one more, one more episode. If it was up to me, I would just have one more Krispy Kreme donut. If it was up to me, I would just call it a night. Hey buddy, tomorrow, okay? And my son would be, oh, okay dad. And then next day again, and he loses the habit and he's no longer asking me. And when I do want to come back, it's too late for him. Why? Because I did my will, not God's will. Isn't it simple but difficult? You know exactly what God's will is every single time. Do you know why? Because the Holy Spirit speaks to you. The Holy, the Holy Spirit convicts you. If you feel bad when you sin, that's a wonderful thing. That is the best thing that could be happening to you. That means that the Holy Spirit hasn't yet let go of you. That means that you still feel remorse and that's a wonderful thing for your life. When you no longer feel the remorse and the pain of sin, that means that the Lord has turned you in to your own pleasures. And that is a scary place to be according to Romans chapter 1 verse 27. Listen to what I'm telling you. This is a great night where you say, God, I don't want to turn my back on you. I don't want to follow you from afar. I don't want to fight the wrong way. I want to do things your way. I want to surrender my will because I want to be here for the long run. I want to be here for the cross and the resurrection. I want to be here through the tough times. And Jesus says, if you are crucified with me, you should also resurrect with me. I believe that if you are there on Friday, Good Friday, you'll be there on Resurrection Sunday. I believe with all of my heart, and I know this, I know that I know that I know that if you let His will in your life, your life will change so much, so much. I can bring you testimony after testimony. Marriages restored, finances changed, health restored. People whose mindsets were so broken and God begins to lift them up. I don't care how far you've fallen. I want to pray for you. There was one man in the story and I didn't mention him. 
because I think he is the, the, that, that option that we don't want to talk about, the fifth option. Listen, this man was following Jesus. The Bible doesn't say his name because I think it was too embarrassing at the time to mention him. The Bible says that one of the guards grabbed him by the clothing. Now little kids, listen, you've never heard this story, I promise you. They grabbed him by his clothing and the Bible says that he tried to run away and they tore off his garments and he ran away naked. That's what the Bible says, that this man took off naked. I'm like, why is that in the Bible? Like what, what does that even mean? Like why? Would you, why God would you put that some naked dude with a random, with no name, would just, just run away naked? What's the point? Here's exactly what I feel God wants to minister to us through that man, the other way to respond. Some people really want to be there, really want to be there. But when they are confronted, they rather walk in shame than walk in victory. They'd rather live lives of shame and, and that sin that condemns them. Am I making sense? They'd rather feel like, just, I'm not worthy. I'm not clean enough. I'm not good enough. Look at me. I can't be around them. You know what I've been through? You know where I've gone? You know what's been done to me? That naked person, like, I, I, I can't. I can see God's grace coming over some of you tonight and saying, I got you. Let me clothe you with righteousness. Let me clothe you with truth. Let me clothe you with love. Let me clothe you with my garments of praise. I can see God saying, some of you disciples that have run away, make it saying, I, I've lost it. I had it and I lost it. And God says, now it's not too late. Why don't you guys stand up with me? We're going to ask God that whatever way you've been walking, you've been fighting with the wrong weapons or you've been walking from afar, or some of you maybe walked in here like Judas. Meaning, you turned your back on God. You didn't want anything to do with Him. You came here just because you heard there was cute girls. And there are. Or maybe you came here just because your, your family member bothered you enough. Or they prayed you into it. Somebody's praying you into this. Praise God. If you're that person, I want to tell you Jesus died for all of us. All of us. Same way He went to the cross. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Dear God, I thank you so much because you didn't die for the good, but for those of us that desperately needed you. Jesus, thank you because I know that you didn't have to become a man. You didn't have to suffer. You didn't have to go through Gethsemane, but you did to show us how we ought to respond in moments where we decide to follow you or to walk away. Jesus, thank you because you went all the way you became obedient and obedient to the point of death and death on a cross we in this place have different walks of life all of us here god come from different places but we all come to one place and that is your house god to ask of you to help us to love you to know you we want your life in us god we want your garments of praise in our lives god we don't want shame we don't want anger god we don't want to have a life that is far from you. We don't want our kids to hear one thing and see another. God, we want to be people that love you and that are there when times are tough. No matter what the government says, no matter what, what the, the whoever says what, we want to walk with you. God, we want to love you. We want to know you daily. God, I ask you to give us the fortitude, the strength. Now, when there get so many moments, whether they are slow or shocking, whether, whether they're intense or over a period of time and tiresome, God, that we can remain faithful. Why? Because we have asked for prayer. God, why? Because we have been open with you. Why? Because our will has been surrendered to yours. 
Jesus, we love you so much. If there's somebody in this place, right there with your eyes closed, all of you, if somebody's here and you came here expecting God to do something and he's doing something now, if you were far from him or maybe you, you didn't even know him or maybe you were there, but maybe you've been here physically, but not here emotionally engaged spiritually, If you want to tell God, God, I want to come back. I want to walk near you. God, I want your fire in my bones. Jesus, I want to praise you the way I have in the past. Oh man, I heard one of the worst voice messages this week of somebody who was walking with God and no longer walks with him. Maybe that person does in that person's version, but they know it's a shadow of what it needs to be. I wish I could tell you it was only one time I heard that. I heard it so many times. You know, there's one solution. That same solution is still available today for that person and for you. And Jesus says, those of you who are tired and burdened, come to me. I will give you rest. Come to me and I will give you rest. Learn from me. I am humble in heart. My yoke is easy. Give me yours. Give me your burdens. If this is you, just tell God as a sign of physical surrender. Put your hand on your heart as in saying, God, touch my heart. Change me. Tell him, God, I want to follow you. Not from afar. I don't want to turn my back on you anymore. Come on, tell him, God, I want to walk with you. Tell him, Jesus, help me to walk with you. I need you more than ever. Would you change me? My will, God, would you conform it to you? I have been so stubborn. Forgive me, God. I want to know you more. And I want you, God, to change me. I've come here today because I need you. I'm not here because I have to. I'm here because I need you, God. I need you. I need you. Come on, tell them, God, would you change my heart? Would you come into my life? Take it all, God. Give me your life and take mine. Give me your dreams and take mine. Give me your strength and take my weakness. Come on, tell him, God, please take my failures and give me your victory. Come on, tell him, God, take my sins and give me your righteousness. Come on, tell him, God, change me, God, change me. Change my reactions, change my thoughts, change my heart, God. Come on, tell him, God, change me. I never want to walk away from you. I want to walk near you all the days of my life. And if this is you, Dear God, I ask you now for anyone who has prayed this prayer that you would strengthen them, that you give them a new breath. Jesus, we love you so much. No matter what happens, we will always, always, always tell you, we always, God, want to walk near you. We want to be Christians, real disciples, not just churchgoers. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Give Jesus a round of applause. As you leave, I was trying to talk to somebody about God and they asked me, are you a Christian? And to be very honest with you, I was stumped because I think their concept of Christian, somebody who walks with Jesus for me, is not the same definition for them. For them, a Christian is somebody who goes to church, but I know a lot of churchgoers that they are not the church. They go to church, but they're not the church. So I want to give you a simple definition and as we walk out, that we try to live this out with our families, as we walk close to God, that instead of trying to just go to heaven, we would try to bring heaven down. Does that make sense? Instead of hoping for heaven one day, that we say, God, let heaven reign in my family. Wherever I go, help me impact, help me cause, 
a change. A Christian is this, a mind through which Christ thinks, a voice through which Christ speaks, a hand through which Christ helps, a heart through which Christ loves. That is a Christian. A mind through which Christ thinks, a voice through which Christ speaks, a hand through which Christ helps, and a heart through which Christ loves. We love you so much. We will continue to help you be formed and transformed. As we leave, like I said, remember, keep your masks on so we keep everybody safe. We love you guys very much. And if there's anybody with specific needs, let us know. We'd love to pray for you. Okay? God bless you guys. We'll see you guys. And have an amazing Thanksgiving. God bless you.